I'm Dr. Jennifer Cardle, host of Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and joining me today is Dr. Taz Bhatia, prevention and integrative health expert. She's also the medical director of the Atlanta Center for Holistic and Integrative Medicine, and she's also an associate professor at Emory University. Finally, she's the author of The 21-Day Belly Fix, which is the focus of our discussion today. Dr. Taz, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. So you and I have met and we've known each other and I've seen your work and I've also been reading your book. And I really wanted you to talk a little bit about your personal background in medicine, your specialty, and how long you've been practicing medicine and your particular emphasis. So I have a little bit of a winding road when it comes to my background in medicine. You know, when I finished residency, I actually first went into pediatrics and then from there started practicing emergency medicine and was, my heart initially was there, sort of ER, ICU, critical care type stuff. So was very kind of one of those type of physicians kind of thrived on adrenaline. And in the midst of all of that, this was in my late 20s, you know, was not doing well from a health standpoint and was getting sick and couldn't really get any answers from my particular health So I got frustrated and started studying on my own other systems of medicine. So began studying numbers of, I say, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, nutrition, and finally did the fellowship in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona. And that gave me the confidence to start what I'm doing now, which is the practice of integrative medicine. And so the practice, I was boarded in 2008 and opened the practice in 2009. The practice will be seven years old this January. And it has been a, a wonderful, fascinating, but highly challenging ride and it's what I was kind of meant to do I think. That's so interesting. I think it's also a very inspiring story to hear how those who listen to these programs were most commonly were physicians or healthcare providers. So it's really interesting and inspiring to hear how you've sort of started out in one path. You mentioned pediatrics, critical care medicine, and you sort of found your way to what you're doing now and, and you seem very happy at it. I think it's nice to hear and it's not a, maybe a typical story in medicine. I mean, have you come across a number of people who've done what you've done or what about the colleagues that you work with? I'm curious, is, is this something that's common or are you sort of a rarity? I mean, those are all great questions, but it's just, again, the practice is going to be seven years old, and I think it's changed. So when I first started doing integrative medicine, I heard pretty much everything, everything from, what are you doing? I had one person, one colleague, actually, who was a friend, flat out be like, why would you jeopardize your name and your reputation by taking this on? And others who understood it wasn't very popular or very common when I opened. In fact, I was one of maybe three integrative doctors in the southeast area. It was just not something people understood. And even when I or my husband would say, hey, I am now doing integrative medicine, even my own physician friends would be like, what's that? You know, and I still honestly get that to a certain extent. So fast forward five, five to six years later, and it's, the landscape has definitely changed. I think there's more of an understanding of what the field is. There's now a recognized board in integrative medicine, just like you would board in family medicine or you would board in pediatrics. You sit for a board exam now. I think that there are so many young doctors flocking to the field, and I'm almost surprised by how many physicians contact me and, and want to be a part of this now versus sort of the hesitation reservation five or six years ago. Moving into sort of the work that you're doing comes one of your books. I know you've written more than one book. The one we're talking about today is The 21-Day Belly Fix. Tell me about where that came from and, and where that sort of idea and what the impetus for writing this book. Well, like many things in my life, it was sort of that intersection between really starting to understand things and then having a great opportunity to be able to express it. So, 
you know, in the practice of integrative medicine, and remember, I'm merging everything, I'm merging all these different systems of medicine together. One of the things that these older systems of medicine teach you when you learn their diagnostic skills and when you learn kind of their history-taking skills is to focus very heavily on diet and GI health or digestive health. And they firmly believe that if digestive health was not where it needed to be, that was the beginning of illness, no matter what the type of illness was. Culturally, I remember some of these things because, you know, I'm from an Indian heritage and I remember, like, my mom. And then once I married, you know, my mother-in-law even saying things like, there's too much heat, there's too much heat in the belly, you're going to get sick, you know, not really understanding what they were talking about. But, but those concepts of, of gut health, whatever language they used to describe it in, are very tied to every single other aspect of our health. And I found myself in the patient room, whether I was dealing with a cold or whether I was dealing with rheumatoid arthritis or whether I was dealing with ADHD or, or whatever it is, you can go down the list, we had to address digestive health. It was not something that could be ignored because it was so critical to your nutrition, kind of what your overall nutrition profile looked like. It was critical to how your brain functioned. And this was a pattern I was seeing even before we've had all this great research in the last couple of years about the gut microbiome and how the gut-brain access is so critical and all these other things that we know now from the scientific basis. So the inspiration was really, hey, digestive health is the unifying factor for all folks. We need to talk about this more and come up with a way to deal with it. At the same time, we were having an explosion of digestive and microbiology research, which kind of supported some of the stuff. So it was the perfect opportunity to put that information out. Right. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you mentioned in your book a couple of concepts. Well, there's a number of concepts that you mentioned in your book. You do talk about the importance of reprogramming the digestive system. You also talked a little bit about the good gut bacteria versus the bad and making sure that we have more good gut bacteria than the bad. Can you speak to those elements specifically as you're talking about the overall importance that you see of the digestive system? Well, I think, you know, I'm sure you would agree too, but like the last 20 to 30 years in medicine, I mean, we've seen a rise in diseases of inflammation. We've seen a rise in allergies. We've seen a rise in autoimmunity. We've seen a rise in so many diseases that we now understand the very root of almost all of them is an inflammatory process. Well, you take that inflammatory process back further, and what we're learning that is very much tied to the bacterial load in the gut, to the point that I work with a lot of Crohn's and all sort of colitis patients, and those researchers are trying to match, you know, hey, this bacteria is the one that's causing Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, therefore we develop a drug or target this particular bacteria. So we know that the balance of bacteria in the gut is critical. Having everybody kind of live in harmony is critical when it comes to your microbial soup, so to speak. And when you do have bacterial overgrowth, whether it's SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or it's a yeast overgrowth, that lends itself to an inflammatory process. And that tie-in is the reason why your gut health becomes so important and probably the reason why we've seen a rise in inflammatory diseases as we know them today. Interesting. Interesting. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and joining me is Dr. Taz Bhatia, prevention and integrative health expert, associate professor at Emory University, and author of the book, The 21-Day Belly Fix. 
So Dr. Taz, I wanted to go a little bit into some of the concepts that you discuss for patients out there, which I thought was really interesting. I, I really like how this book is very hands-on and practical. I mean, you've got yoga exercises. Well, you've got yoga techniques, and then you've got exercises that may not be yoga-based. You've got sort of recipes and, and food suggestions. You've got elements for relaxation. Can you talk about your use and your recommendation of these different disciplines to kind of achieve this overall digestive harmony? The plan and the 21-Day Belly Fix, there are different elements to the book. There's a very distinct kind of methodical plan that's spread out over 21 days to reset digestive health. And then there's a component of stress modification, exercise as well, which impact digestive health. So I could probably speak to all three of those. I'm going to start with the easier ones first before we get into the tough ones. Exercise, for example, we know that exercise plays a role in gut health. However, what the other systems of medicine have taught me and what's played out in practice is that it's moderate exercise, not intensive exercise, no exercise that is best for digestive health. What we have found is time and time again, you know, you'll have that classic patient who's an overachiever, runs marathons, it might be one of us, honestly, you know, runs marathons, tries to do 4,000 things, and in that also over-exercises, well, they damage their intestinal health. They damage the gut bacteria, they damage the gut lining, and many of the professional athletes, I notice, with my high school athletes, crash usually in their 20s, my college athletes crash in their 30s, my marathoners who kind of have this fitness resurgence, mid-30s, they'll crash in their 40s. So again, the body was not meant for extremes. We can push it to extremes, but it will affect some system, and it does affect digestive health as well. So ideal exercise when you're trying to heal your gut or heal your body, honestly, in general, is gentle exercise. So that's why yoga, walking, you know, swimming, stretching, tai chi, those forms of exercises, the older guys or the older systems of medicine believe for more healing. They put the body in sort of a parasympathetic state, forced it to relax, and it's only under conditions of relaxation that the body can really heal. So that's where the exercise part fits in. When it came to stress management, we know. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer now. We know that stress impacts the gut. We know that there's, when there's an output of cortisol that can present as anything from IBS to constipation to abdominal pain to abdominal migraines that we sometimes see in young children. So we know that stress is, is connected to the gut. So as much as we might want to talk about gut bacteria and food allergies and all these other things, if we don't manage stress, then we're, we're leaving out a, key, a very key piece of the, of the puzzle here. So managing stress and the tools to manage stress become very important. And in that toolbox is everything from breathing techniques to manage yourself in a crisis situation to massage, acupuncture, all of these different things that older systems of medicine, again, use to bring their patients to a state of equilibrium where they could actually get better. So after exercise and after stress management, if, if someone has really addressed those issues, then it's really time to take a deep look into, into gut microbiology. How do you reset it? What do you do? How do you fix it? And it's very confusing for patients. So the rest of the plan, the three-week plan, is very focused through a number of steps, which some of the readers have said, hey, this is, this is a lot. And yes, it's not easy. I never intended to set out to write a book like that said, hey, just do this, you're going to be better tomorrow. This is not that book. You know, this is a book that has very methodical steps. Each step in the plan has a purpose. Each ingredient in the plan has a purpose, and it's been very well thought out, but all with the intention of rebuilding digestive health, rebalancing gut flora, and hopefully bringing the gut to a healing point so that the other systems in the body can follow suit. 
You know, it's interesting as I've been reading the book, it's something I think that not only would be helpful for patients, but physicians as well. I mean, I I really think that, or most people actually in the world for this idea of rebalancing and kind of becoming more centered. And I think a lot of your tips and suggestions are are really quite wonderful and and very helpful uh, on many different levels. You know, you've got, you know, the book, The 21 Day Belly Fix does go through the different components that you just talked about, give us very specific examples, and also the data and research to back it up, as, as you've mentioned. You know, let's take this into the office. You know, let's say you are in the office, or I'm in my office, I'm a family practitioner, or any other clinician who's uh, listening to this program, you know, maybe what are some simple steps that a a physician can do to maybe start helping their patient think more in this vein that they could do in a 15 or 20 minute office visit or suggestions they can make? What would you suggest to the rest of us? I think the first thing as physicians that we need to acknowledge is simply asking the patient about their digestive health. I think that when you are having a patient sitting in front of you who's complaining about a headache, you're not going to ask about their gut health or when you have someone who's complaining about joint pain, you're not necessarily going to ask them about their digestive health. I think for clinicians, if we can all remember that the majority of times, just like you would ask for a pulse or blood pressure or any of the other markers that we use to kind of get a baseline of where one of our patients are currently, you need to ask about their digestive health. Are they going to the bathroom regularly? Do they suffer from reflux? You know, do they have abdominal pain? Do they have discomfort? I mean, I think these are all things that are a beginning point. And once you've asked the question, understanding that a simple goal for everybody, no matter where you are on the clinician kind of spectrum, so to speak, is everyone really should be having a bowel movement every single day. You know, everyone should be going to the bathroom every single day. It's not okay to not go for three and four days at a time, which so many of my patients will come through and say, well, well, my doctor said it's not not a big deal. This is what my pattern is and my rhythm is. I think that's the first fallacy that we have. I mean, I think that, again, these older systems of medicine, that would have been intolerable. You wouldn't do that. If that was happening, your practitioner would change your diet to make sure that something changed for you because they believed that you were going to get sick. They literally believed that toxins would accumulate and make the rest of you sick. I think that for clinicians, the starting point is asking about it, and the follow-up is, setting as a primary goal that they should have regular habits of going to the bathroom and, and eliminating that type of thing. I think that's a great first step and it's something that you know we all can do is asking about that. Absolutely. What are some of the challenges that you've noticed that patients face as they work to incorporate some of the suggestions that you're mentioning in your book and, and even just with their digestive system? What, what are some of the challenges they have? So I've heard a lot of, I've had the opportunity to get a lot of feedback, both on the plan itself and, of course, on digestive health. I think when thinking about digestive health, patients are most concerned about a number of things. They're concerned about reflux and obviously also concerned about being on a number of reflux medications. They are concerned about expanding waistlines. They notice that they hold the majority of weight in their belly. It may not necessarily be in other places of their body. They're concerned about abdominal pain and discomfort. And for many women, it's bloating. Bloating seems to be a constant complaint. I'm I'm bloating, I'm bloating, I'm bloating. So, I mean, those are the most common concerns. Now, as they work their way through the plan, many people love the plan, but some of the challenges, I think, for some of the patients, the plan does involve some prep work. You do have to think about food, prepare your food. Some of the ingredients are different. Some of the recipes have names you probably haven't heard before. I mean, we use the Ayurvedic dish kitchery. We talk about Chinese sticky rice. We talk about bone broth soup in the book. None of these things are quick or necessarily easy to make. 
but they're so rewarding once you do. So one of the things we did as a family once the book came out is, and I talk about my husband a lot in the book, but we forced ourselves to go through the plan from beginning to end. And I did a lot of the prep and put myself through the process of what a reader would have to do to be on this plan. And while there are a number of steps, the reward is so great. The way you feel, the way we felt, the way my husband responded, it was worth it. And we continue to do some of that prep work to this day, even though it may mean I getting up a little bit earlier or him getting up earlier, because it's just the payoff is so much greater than skipping the steps. So the complaints I've heard are on hey, I've never heard of this ingredient before. Where do I find it? I have to do a lot of preparation. Why is that? Or this particular ingredient, for example, the apple cider vinegar or the probiotic or something in the plan maybe did not necessarily suit everyone. It's, you know, we've had a few little complaints about that. Well, the recipes really do actually look yummy, quite honestly. So I'm personally kind of excited to try some of them. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually um, I'm really impressed at how comprehensive the book is. And I know that that's actually part of the 21-day sort of program. That's part of it is sort of this comprehensive approach to digestive health and, and, and a lot of things. But it's nice to see that. So is there anything else that you would like to add about your book or about your philosophy or, or what you've written about? And I think a couple of points about the book are important. You know, the book, it's 21-day belly fix, and it's very important. I think for the clinician community, we understand the book was written to really reset digestive health. A side effect of the plan has been weight loss, but that was not the intention of the book. So many of the people going through many of the reviews you see or the comments you see on the Facebook page or things like that are like, oh, my gosh, I lost 25 pounds. I lost 14 pounds in six days, which is that makes me so happy that, people have found benefit and their lives have changed and they understand kind of what their issues are when it comes to weight. But it was very much written with the intention of resetting gut health. So that's the basic premise of it. I think the other thing to really understand is that these older systems of medicine kind of knew what they were talking about. They didn't know everything because, of course, they didn't have the gift of technology that we have currently. But their diagnostic systems, their ways of thinking and relating to patients, their ways of communicating with the patient and really trying to understand the whole patient, not just one particular aspect of the patient, are such wonderful gifts that they have given the medical community, and unfortunately for a long period of time we rejected it. But those are gifts to be celebrated and used and embraced, not looked at with kind of fear and like this is some weird thing or weird system and it's threatening. It's not at all. And one of the things we try really hard in practice is this is just good medicine. It's not necessarily integrative. There's not really a, a label to it other than the fact it's good medicine. It's trying to create relationships with the patient to understand how every aspect of their health is influencing whatever you're seeing sitting before you. And I think that's the reason why we get such great outcomes. So I'm very passionate about it. I think my patients keep me motivated and being able to put the good information out there in various formats is exciting, too, to be able to educate a larger audience. But it's just an exciting time, I think, to be in medicine. It definitely is. And I appreciate your comments about your philosophies about the medicine that you practice and your thoughts about it. I think that's very helpful. Where can people find your book if they want to uh, go out and purchase it? I believe it's still on Amazon. <laughs> you can go to Amazon.com and get it from there. I think it's on the Barnes & Noble website as well. And then Barnes & Noble is still carrying the book, too. And they can always go onto our website. They can go into drtaz.com or the center's website, Atlanta Center for a Holistic and Integrative Medicine. I think it's atlantaholisticmedicine.com, although our name may be changed soon. <laughs> so anyhow, but they can go to any of those places and order the book or buy it in store. 
Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Taz. I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and you've been listening to ReachMD. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com, Everyday Medicine. Thank you so much for listening.